Welcome to the next. I'm here with Jordan and Thaddeus. Guys, how are you doing? Oh, I'm doing great. It's going to be a fantastic day today. Uh, just some quick news before we get started in today's episode. I want to let you guys know if you want to find us on Instagram, it's going to be the nxt.tv. So the next.tv. Also, as of this week, we are on every single podcast platform available. So if you can listen to audio files, you can listen to us. We are everywhere as of now. Guys, I'm so excited for today's episode. We have one of my favorite worship artists of all time with us, Eddie James. He's the founder of Eddie James Ministry, Eddie James Productions, Fresh Wine Records, and Fresh Wine Publishing. He's been a part of, uh, he's done work with T.D. Jakes, Kirk Franklin, Lou Engle, Bill Johnson, Perry Stone, and some of our favorite songs, Breakthrough, <laughs> Freedom. Breakthrough and he's for sure. Yeah, dude, that is the best. And his biggest ministry which I can't wait to hear about today is Dream Life Ministries. And inside of that, he teaches a program called DNA, which is Discipleship in Arts. It's a repro recovery program for rescued high school students, like drug addicts that are really gifted musicians, and he takes them. And like you see the transformation in their lives, and a lot of them are doing very big ministry. Like Dante Bowie was part of that ministry. And wow. if you don't know who he is, he's a powerful no worshiper. Yeah, so That's awesome. I had no idea he was a part of that. That's I did insane. not know either. Yeah. No ways. I think I just straight up lied. I do have a question for you. Did Dante <laughs> do DNA? DNA? Yeah, part of the Dream Life ministry. Or no, I think I just straight up lied. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he did. Yes, let's go. No yes, let's go. Yes, they all did. <laughs> let's go. I yeah. told you. I thought I knew I that. Did. Let's go. So he introduces you like that. And he just, I've not, I had no idea. I didn't think it was real. So I, yeah. I was like, no, nah, there's no ways that happened. So we thought we'd, you know. We'd, he did we'd DNA for sure. No way. Yeah, that's. Awesome. God is good. He is faithful. <laughs> I know he's going to leave me. I am so <laughs> I'm so happy now. Oh, my word. Okay. Eddie, I have, I have a serious I have a serious question. You yeah, ready? okay. Okay. It's in the morning, right? You wake up. You're hungry. Okay? You go into your closet. You open, open your, your, you know, your, your closet. You get, you get your, from your pantry. You get your cereal out. You get your bowl. Get your milk. Which goes in first? Milk or cereal? Cereal. Are you there sure? I'm pretty positive. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> did, did, did everybody else hear that? That is the way you eat breakfast. You don't freaking do it the other way around. Okay. Anyone who does it backwards is absolutely insane. Who will put milk in first? <laughs> we, we have, have some people. In we have what? We have some people. Milk yeah. in first and then we cereal. need to get saved and what? delivered. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So just to open up with. That's a like getting baptized before you say, "God, come into my life." Oh. <laughs> oh. <laughs> Oh, it's like repent, then baptism. Oh, you know? oh. <laughs> cereal, then milk. I don't know. Oh man. Okay, and then so <laughs> <laughs> I've never heard of that. <laughs> so I'm I'm assuming in your bathroom as well, your toilet paper runs over the top, not underneath. Yes. Okay, good. Well, uh, Eddie's Perfect. saved. I'm happy, dude. Like, Eddie, I've been redeemed. I'll sanctify, bro. <laughs> Save a pot. Oh, that's so cool. So Eddie, um, we know who you are, and a lot of people, and we've done, you know, we've introduced you already. Um, we know what you're doing around the world, and it's amazing, and we're just super blessed to have you sit here. Like, I have not been through one of your sessions, either preaching or singing, without crying. It wow. cuts me to the heart every single time. Wow. Anything that I, I, can't, I can't express how it touches me with your program, with the kids. Um, it's just amazing, dude. I don't... I, it, words <laughs> don't even describe I can't. It. I don't have the words to explain how much your ministry touched me the last time you were here. Wow. Uh, I was a mess for days. Wow. Um, but that's who you are now. So if you, if you wouldn't mind, like everyone knows who Eddie James is. Well, maybe some people don't know who Eddie James is. But 
For those of us who know who Eddie James is now, who was Eddie James before that? When, when did you, when did this, where does your story start? When did you find Jesus? Well, I accepted the Lord at eight years old. Wow. Um, grew up in a very uh, strong Christian family that mm -hmm. loved the Lord and and they were all musical and pastors and, you know, just really deep into the things of God. And, and I was always drawn. I don't know. I was just, from a kid, I was always drawn to the, you know, to the move of the Spirit and how he would touch people's lives. And so uh, I came to Jesus when I was eight years old. And it's kind of funny because, you know, I didn't get into a whole lot of trouble, I would say, but I had my share of spankings, <laughs> you know. And so I didn't think that God would save me because I didn't think I was good enough. I didn't think I would measure up to like the other Christians that were so holy and wow. sanctified. Wow. And I thought, man, I just got a whooping last week. Jesus is not going to say, you know, <laughs> so, wow. so I just didn't think I could you know, qualify for Christianity. And then my Sunday school teacher, man, props to Sunday school teachers. If you still have Sunday school, thank you for that. My Sunday school teacher told me, she said, Eddie, you're just the kind of person Jesus gave his life for. Wow. He would love you that's and he amazing. would save you. And that's, that's what awesome. sold it for me. Like he would, he really would. And so, yeah, I was down. Wow. <laughs> yeah, I gave my life at eight. No way. Mm -hmm. so, so then, if you want to go ahead. Yeah, so when I first got set on fire for the Lord, I knew there was more for me as I started to fall more in love with him, but I didn't know exactly what my calling was. I just knew there was a calling until sure. he gave me a vision. What was that for you that made you know that it's worship or it's exactly wow. what you're doing today? What made you realize this is it's it? interesting. I just answered this question for someone not long ago. For me, um, my pastor taught us what he called the Gideon principle. What Gideon did was he sent forth or he uh, asked the Lord uh, to fulfill what is called a fleece. Basically, this is a sign for me to know this is what I'm supposed to do. And I had, you know, I started playing music when I was nine. I actually started playing drums when I was six. So I grew up wow. in a musical All, all the best people play drums. <laughs> <laughs> so I was always into the music, and, and I, but I just did not see it as something that I would, like, do for, like, my whole life. Yeah. I thought I would go to college and become an electronic engineer, and I was you know, played football a little bit, so yeah. I was going to, my football and my, you know, I made good grades, and so, you know, academics, music, and I was going to all that, you know, help as uh, uh, the way for me to get through college, and uh, man, God had different plans. Bro. Yeah, I can definitely <laughs> relate different to plans. that. So I was 14 years old when I put forth uh, a specific, what we call a fleece, as a sign, God, if you want me to do this, because it, I just, just, you know, some people are like, I just can't wait to be a worship leader or wait to be a preacher. Not Eddie James. <laughs> I saw way too much hell people went through for me to even think I'm going to give my life to that. You know, yeah, yeah. I might do it at church on Sundays from time to time oh. to help out, but give my life to it? No. Yeah. <laughs> I'm not doing that. Yeah, yeah that's a similar and position so, I was in. Yeah, so the God answered this fleece, and it was like an out of the box, like only God could do that. Yeah. And, man game over yeah I was really so I grew up in church my whole life I never thought anything with ministry anything with the gospel would be actually sure. activated in my yeah. life like I was going after football like you like football was my thing I got injured that got taken away yeah. no contact sports then I got into business and I thought this is it you know I'll 
I'll I'll fund the kingdom. That's it. Right. Then, right. Then, yeah. God yeah. Gave, Amen. Yeah. Then then <laughs> exactly. <laughs> and then God changed that all. Yeah. And then and gave I think, us the vision. I think the coolest thing about that whole is that God's never asking you to give up more than what you were never created to live. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You were never created to have. That's all that God asks you to give up, which brings us right into the next question, Thaddeus. Yeah, as a young minister, as a young man, God's calling you. What was the, the single greatest thing? You're like, man, I have to get this out of my life before I can move forward in ministry. For me, it was like pornography. Like, I don't want to step into a pulpit. I don't want to step into ministry yeah. unless this sexual morality is out of my life. Sure, man, that's, that's good. For me, it was bitterness. Wow. wow. So what ended up happening is as I got older, my parents divorced. Okay. And when my parents divorced, I had no relationship with my dad from the age of about 15 to maybe 21, 22. Wow. Wow. And uh, at this time, I'm already activated somewhat in ministry. I have my own like gospel singing group. I have, I'm a worship leader at the Assemblies of God Church. Um, And uh, my pastor, uh, to make a long story short, I won't get into all the details, but he began to notice areas of my life that was being really hindered and crippled by this. And he said, you need to go and, you know, you need to forgive your father and go have a, a time with him. Wow. wow. And so at, by this point, no birthdays, no Christmases, no, no talks, no nothing. Oh. Like my father didn't come see me to do ministry and he's a preacher and never came. Wow. You know, so it just, we were just completely cut off from each other. And my, and my father had remarried and moved to Seattle, uh, Washington. Uh, and I bought a ticket that Christmas uh, when I was 22 years old. Wow. And I went to go and make peace with my dad. And, wow. and uh, he picked me up from the airport, and it was pretty cool until it got to the house. Now, at this time, my parents' divorce was finalized when I was 17 years old. I've never wow. known anything but my mom and dad. So I walk into this house, and there's another woman that other siblings of mine is calling mom and all that. And I've, I knew that this was the one that my dad had cheated on, cheated with concerning my mom, and I'm looking at this, and I never forget when I walked in the house, I was so angry when I saw her. I mean, I was so devastated when I saw her. I ran to the bathroom, and tears is just streaming down my face. I'm just, like, crying so hard. I'm, like, almost heaving. You know, just like, just, and and the Lord spoke to me as clear as, I'm talking about, like, I can hear you talking to me now. I've said before you life and death. <laughs> Choose. <laughs> and I knew in this moment it was a defining moment of my life. This very, I remember like it was yesterday, this very moment was the moment that would determine the Eddie James I am now or the Eddie James the enemy had for me. Because <laughs> I wanted to give up ministry. I wanted to be done with everything because I didn't want what I saw with my father, what I saw happen with other preachers. And so... I had to forgive my father. I had to forgive the woman that he was now married to, that that you know he fell with. I had to forgive all of that and let it go, and um, not realizing today I'd be rescuing kids from broken homes and yeah. working with kids who had similar issues, and I wouldn't be able to speak to them on how God can heal you when you release things. And so anyway, that, that was for me. I mean, I, I've had to, you know, like so many of us, especially young, you know, the perversion stuff and all that. I yeah. dealt with all of that. But for me, that was probably the biggest, most challenging aspect of my life. So, so in today's culture, what is the value of family to you? Especially when you see like 70-something percent of homes and minorities have divorced parents. It is huge for me. 
Uh, if you ever come into our camp, everybody calls me pops. <laughs> you know, it's a. I don't want a program. I want a family. Yeah. I want this for them to be family. I want people to feel a sense of value and connection. Uh, that th there's a DNA that we all share. You know, that's to me what's awesome about family. We look alike, we talk alike, we, you know, there are things that we share together that we're not cloning each other, it's just a DNA that's organic, you know? Yeah. And that's what I want with our family, with our, all of our guys that come through EJM that, you said 76%, about 90% of the guys who come through EJM have family issues. Most of them don't either, ha either have wow. their dad in their life wow. or their dad was really, a, you know, messed up, drug addict, yeah. alcoholic, you know, whatever. So, that's absolutely amazing. I mean, and you spoke a lot about how getting rid of bitterness changed your life. And the thing that surprised me about that is, when you sing, like, there's nothing but joy. Mm. I, you yeah. change the entire atmosphere of the room that you're in, and just bring <laughs> so much joy in life wow. that it's it's impossible not to change. It, it's impossible not to be happy. <laughs> I can't. Yeah. Like, I can have yeah. the worst day ever, and I put on freedom or I put on breakthrough. I'm like, you know what? My God's bigger than this. Right. Like, that's right. why that's am I right. complaining about what happened today? My God is bigger than this. He created the heavens and the earth. He knows my name. He chose me. I mean, if you think about like, we we talked about this the other day. Like, God literally created the stars to sing, mm. and there are billions and billions of galaxies who <laughs> worship the Lord for all of eternity. But He came and died for me. Yes, sir. Yeah. And it just, I'm like, the relationship that you get from that, and how much joy <laughs> it brings me, and to hear to hear awesome. this side of that, and then you. You sing that like I wanted to know why you choose worship, but you've already answered that. I, <laughs> I know why you've chose worship. You chose worship. So what I want to ask is, when when was the moment you looked back and you realized like this is why I do what I do? Oh my, I have many of those throughout life. Um, why I do what I do? Moments I look back and see that. Um, man, after major rescues of heroin addicts after uh, literally we just had a guy his friend that uh, so uh, I have a young man named Sam who's in the room right now he's a year and eight months clean Amen. from drugs his friend we just rescued this past Sunday a week from yesterday his mom and dad came to service yesterday and his dad gave his life to Jesus Come on. yesterday. <laughs> Come, Come on. on. <laughs> That's crazy. That's why I do what I do. Amen. That's the, re you know, you see things like that, that you could have, there was no way you could orchestrate your life, schedule your life, schedule the people to create that out outcome. God just sovereignly begins to move through your obedience. And then you see how God, unfolds his love and his plan before your eyes and and I'm just I'm just I don't know wrecked <laughs> just wrecked that's awesome you know so yeah so one of the biggest things that has been a revelation for me is like seeing like my plan for my life was so much smaller than what God has for me yeah and you've already touched on like kind of like mm. you saw the two sides you saw what the enemy wanted for you you saw like where you could have given up and then now obviously you see sure. where God brought you yeah. now was there, you touched on it a little bit, like, but was there a real time where you seriously thought you were about to give up? Like a, a real moment where you almost gave it up? Man. Yeah. There, you know, outside of the time where I was in that bathroom of my father's home in 
uh, Seattle Federal Way, Washington. That was a moment I thought I was going to quit. Um, there have been moments, like there's, there's a defining moment where um, I had a, uh, I had a betrayal, if I could say it that way. I, I'm a songwriter. I've been okay. writing since I was 14. Um, and there was a lady I've been working with uh, in my 20s now. My music at this point began to soar. It was number three on the black gospel <laughs> billboard charts. I mean, wow. it was like Eddie James and Kurt Franklin and C.C. Winans and Fred Hammond and all these gospel, you know, yeah. cats, you know, back in the day. You know, we're all like coming up together and there's so much that's happening. And there was this lady that took a song of mine and tried to claim it as her own because it was wow. becoming so popular. Yeah. And it was like the knife in my back because I trusted this person with everything. I'm a... I'm a musician, songwriter, uh, mentor. I am not that skilled in the organization and business of things. I'm a visionary much more than I am a, you know. Mm -hmm. And so I just trust, you know, I don't know. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know, I went to church and learned how to do this. I didn't learn, you know, all the tax codes and all the, you know what I'm saying? You know, <laughs> stuff that I encourage young people that are being raised up today to learn all of that. Don't yeah. just learn the platform, learn the behind the scenes, because that's the stuff that can really hurt you. Yeah. That, and, and so I trusted, and this lady, man, she took this song and she made a big stink about it and was gonna take me to court. And, and again, my pastor said, Eddie, he said, if you really wanna be free, just give it away. Wow. Just give, just give it, don't hold on to it, because the more you hold on to it, the more it wrecks you. And you know, he was right. I said, God, you can give me millions of songs. I, I, I just gave it away. What ended up happening is that Dodo dealt with her heart, and she repented of it. Wow. Yeah. wow. But I gave it away. But that thing was going to kill me. I was like, okay, I'm, I can't. I, I, I can't, you know? Yeah. But so for a lot of people, it's easier said than done. Like, you know, you see people that are in fear and anxiety. Like, just, get, just give it to the Lord. What would you say to the person how to do it? Like, other than just saying it. Like, what are the actions needed to take? Well... You know, the act of forgiveness is not something you do emotionally. You can't wait for the feelings to line up. Yeah. Yeah. It's a decision that you make and that you remind yourself, self, I'm letting this go. Because I didn't always have the feelings behind it. You know, I would say to my dad, you know, I would say, I'm, you know, I forgive him and say to the lady, I forgive him. But then I'll see an interaction and that stuff tries to rise up and I have to say no. I don't receive that. Yeah. I'm not going to eat from the table of bitterness. Wow. Yeah. I refuse to allow that to be a part of my, you know, my diet. So I would just completely say no. And it's good to also to have good pastors and good fathers and mothers, mentors that will help you on that track. And anybody that wants to fan the flame of bitterness, that's not a good friendship. I know sometimes they try to, I wouldn't take that. I wouldn't do, you know, I had that, man. I would just go completely up. That wasn't helping me. Yeah. They thought they were. But all it was was just enabling me yeah. to be more angry and upset. You wow. need people who love you enough to say, it's not worth it. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. Amen. Eddie, good. you're traveling. You're doing a lot of ministry. What was it for you that said, you know what, I want to help drug-addicted kids? So this is great. So I started in uh, full-time ministry when I was 18. Wow. And the Sims of God Church, they had a teen challenge program. Wow. That's when I first was introduced to recovery. It meant a lot to me because in my childhood growing up, though I'd never done drugs, I've never been in a gang or anything like that, I was surrounded by it. 
I grew up in a in a neighborhood that had a lot of that in it. But our church didn't, outside of the altar, laying hands, you know, yeah. outside of that, you know, we didn't have any programs to help people coming out of those things. Yeah. And I just thought that, well, you know, the church is a church. We don't know how to do all of that. But when I went to this Assembly of God church that had the Teen Challenge program, my heart was moved by it. I was like, man. So I'd find myself staying up with them all the time. You know, I'd do my worship thing and go hang out with the, you know, people in recovery. Then when I, 2002, when I went into traveling full time, a young man who used to be Muslim, um, who gave his life to the Lord at a, uh, you know, came to, uh, okay, so him and my guitar player friend, they were friends, and he wanted to intern uh, with me to learn studio production. So he came to Nashville, never been in the church service, had an encounter with God during a prayer meeting that we had, gave his life to Jesus, and he became the one that started going after these young people wow. to saying, you wow. need to give your life to Jesus. I mean, he was witnessing all the time. I'd go to a, like a Walmart, buy groceries, come home to my house, because he got kicked out of his house. He had to move in with me. His parents disowned him. So he came and moved in with me, and, uh, and then he's going all over town witnessing, and I come home one day, there's two guys in my living room floor who were drug addicts and, and uh, drug dealers, and he was like, you need, you know, can they stay here? They can't go back to where they came from. So I was wow. like, okay, that's cool. So two went to four, four went to eight, and in about a year and a half, I had 16 guys no way. living in my home <laughs> that I'm trying to help, and I would take them with me on my ministry trips. That's awesome. And uh, it just kind of went from there. That's amazing. Wow. Yeah. That is just I, I don't have words. <laughs> I, that is the most beautiful thing I've ever heard. <laughs> it's I crazy. can't. We, I, what I want to know is that, I mean, we see, we see your ministry, right? And you've impacted so many lives. And whether it's directly or indirectly, like, you've changed my life. Wow, well, I with appreciate a, it. You know, I, I, so I didn't much. come to your program. I, I, didn't, I didn't come and do that. But I've seen the difference you've made in other yeah. people. And it just wants me to do more. Like, wow. I want to wake up every day and change people's lives and show them Jesus. Turn off my mind and turn on the spirit because we can tap into the presence of God anytime we want. Sure. Yeah. And actually live a life that's making a difference. That's right. And so with that, I want to say, what is the next step for people out there who are watching? What's the next step for those who are saying they might be you know, 18 like me, they might be 20, 21, 25. Who cares? Even a 45 starting mm -hmm. with a new beginning. Yeah. What advice would you give to them so that they can do something that that actually means something. And if I might add as well, would you also say to the drug addicted out there, what can you do if you can't get to an Eddie James ministry? Mm. Like you, you, you're pulled out of this lifestyle. What can I do to move forward if I can't yeah. reach an Eddie James? I can't go to a teen challenge. What do I do? Hmm. Well, I'll say to the person that's struggling in the streets or struggling with an addiction, it is important that you don't try to walk this thing out alone. Wow. You need to have somebody that loves God and loves you to walk this through with. Yeah. The, the, the power behind any recovery program or uh, even a church family is community. Community is so important to healing and deliverance. And uh, is it possible for Jesus to heal you without anyone? Yes, but that's not his heart. He could wow. do it that way, but yeah. that's not his heart. His heart is that those of us who are strong will help bear the infirmities of the weak, that we rejoice with those who rejoice and we weep with them that weep. God is a God of community. Yeah. You need to find someone. Let someone walk this journey out. And when, and when you find that someone, 
be transparent, be uh, vulnerable, open wow. up, find a place where you can be safe and you can trust because you can't heal what you conceal. Yeah. Yeah. You can't be free from what you want allow, allow people access to. You've got to be vulnerable and be transparent and be willing to allow someone to help you. And that means dealing with, because drugs is usually a symptom. Wow. There's a root to that fruit. There's a reason why that's happening in your life. And we can deal with the fruit, but that's going to just continue to grow back. Or wow. we can get to the root of the issue and God can do something that will never allow this to be back in your life again. And to the worship leaders that are on the on the rise, to those who sense the call to be used of God to bring people into the presence of the Lord, uh, not only do I encourage you, just like the addict, to find community uh, that you can connect with that can help cultivate and activate what you have inside of you, whether it's the craft or the uh, the anointing. You need community to help do that. Um, you need to also challenge yourself in the area of commitment and dedication. This is something that I believe is so crucial because if you say, I'm called to be a worship leader, I'm called to play music, I'm called to sing, I'm called to write, but when I look at which, where you spend your time, which where you spend your time says what you value. Yeah. Wow. Where you spend your time says to me what's important to you, that you give your time to that. And if you're not willing to spend hours worshiping God, hours in your craft, hours working on your instrument, hours working on how to present yourself on the platform, how to touch people, how to reach people, how to communicate. If you just want somebody to turn on lights and mics and give you a a stage and just let you go unpolished, unrehearsed, undeveloped, then you're saying to the Lord that, what he's given you is not worth uh, the, the time given or needed to cultivate that, that it's not valuable enough to you. You're saying Facebook is more valuable or Instagram is more valuable or Snapchat's more valuable or you're saying friendships and movies and all these different things that aren't bad things. Yeah. They're not necessarily bad within themselves. But your time should be given to your assignment. Your time should be given to what you're called to. You should be giving your focus and your energy to what God's called you to do. When I was younger and I was learning to play the keyboard, I had cousins and uncles that could play way better than me. But they would never invest in me in ways that I would not invest in myself. They said, I'm not going to teach you what you can teach yourself. If you're not going to practice for hours, then don't ask me to show you a chord. If you're not going to practice for hours, then don't ask me to show you a run on the keyboard. If you're not going to give yourself to it, why should I invest my energy and time that I use to develop what I have into someone who's not going to use their time (laughs) to invest their energy into what God's given them. So you show me that you want this, and then I'll come and I'll fan the flame of it. But if I've got to start the fire, that doesn't mean, that says to me you don't want it. So I want to encourage you, if you're serious about this stuff, I asked uh, a friend of mine who was an amazing guitar player, and we were talking about Eric Clapton, and we were talking about Jimi Hendrix, and we were talking about all these, like, beast guitar players. <laughs> what does it take to become that? And I heard him say, for about four to five years of your life, no life but your guitar. Wow. 
like your total focus. It's like the Michael Jordan principle, the first one on the court and the last one on the court. Like you, you've got to be the one that, that invests your life into this. And Paul told Timothy this, and I'll stop right here. Paul <laughs> said to Timothy, because this is, this is like my thing. Oh, no, Paul told Timothy in 1 Timothy uh, 4, I believe it's around the 14th verse, he says, neglect not the gift that was given you. But give yourself wholly or completely to it that your profiting may be seen of all or so that others would see your progress. This is the core value for my worship team that I teach. Uh, you know, you have to be willing to give yourself completely to the assignment and the gift that God has given you. When you do that, then the world will have no issue recognizing your dedication. But if you don't invest and you can't, if anybody gives you a platform, it's because they feel sorry for you, not because they really believe in you. And you don't want somebody just giving you a charity service and throwing you a bone. You want to be so excellent at what you do that your gift makes room for you. Come on. on. (laughs) That is, that's absolutely awesome. And we we are going to be cut short, but you have to promise you're going to be back. I will. I'm sorry if I took up too much time. No, it's absolutely (laughs) great. You have to promise you're going to be back. I would love to. But that's going to be it for today, guys. We are so thankful for you tuning in. Uh, Thanks for listening. Thanks for sharing this episode. You can find us on the next nxt.tv for Instagram. Uh, Eddie, you have some social media for yourself. We'll have everything linked in the description of this podcast. But until next time, guys. We are the next. We're here to inspire believers, equip the next generation, and expand the kingdom of God. Have a great day.